We're at a point right now where I, I believe that we have to take back the respect of what it means to play Nebraska and to be Nebraska. I mean, I want people to respect when they see that white helmet with that red N on it. Hello, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Generation Red, the kettle corn of Husker fan podcast, where we try to be sweet, but at times we get salty. I am your host, Ken. And I am your other host, Scott. And we're hanging out tonight using different mics. We're trying something new. Hopefully this comes across to you sounding decent. Let us know in the comments if you like the way this sounds with us using these headset mics. And uh, and even if you don't, don't let us know that, though. We, we, we can't handle negative criticism. Anyway, um, we're here tonight to talk about... Uh, <laughs> Matt Rule's uh, time at the Big Ten press conference or Big Ten media days in Indianapolis this past week. I know you've probably heard it from every other media outlet in the world that covers Husker football, but we're unique. We're a father and son, and we come at things from two uniquely different points of view. So we're going to play some clips of audio or clips of video for you tonight and then discuss them afterward. And uh, hopefully we come up with some insights that maybe you haven't heard yet from others. Uh, but before we get to that... Uh, we are a very proud member of the Husker Sports uh, Network, or Herd at Sports Network. Wow. And uh, we have a coupon code. So if you want to save 10 bucks on a one-year subscription to Hale Varsity Magazine, just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe, put in the coupon code GENERATIONRED, all one word, and you will get $10 off. Or down in the description of this video, you'll find a link as well that you can click on, and it'll take you right to that site as well as put the coupon code in for you so anyway and then here in three weeks just about three weeks we've got the nebraska podcast awards unfortunately voting is now closed if you haven't voted yet sorry you don't have an opportunity to do that but there may be tickets to attend the event still available and they are free so just google nebraska podcast awards and click on the event bright link which should be one of the first links that pops up in the results and get your tickets and our next live stream in the studio, actually, I just, I'll have to announce a new one that just popped up today, but uh, this one is Friday, August 18th, time to be determined. We're not sure when Justin's going to get into town from the Husker Cuzcast. He's driving up from Waco, Texas, and hopefully he will be here in time for all three cousins to be live here in the studio to do our third annual um over-under game, which is an awful lot of fun. It's one of my favorite shows to do that we've been doing since starting this podcast. So, uh, But there's another one, and that is on Friday or Sunday, August 13th, which will be two weeks from today. We've got DJ K-Dub coming into the studio here in Lincoln from, from Omaha, from Wired Access Podcast, also part of the Herd at Sports Network. We'll just chat some Husker football, talk about what we're both what we're all looking for in the season coming up, as well as kind of get his backstory, what led him to being DJ K Dub in Omaha and how he ended up on the Herd at Sports Network. So that'll be a fun conversation. I highly recommend the Wired Access podcast. He's outstanding at interviewing high school athletes as well as he did a great interview recently with Jordy Ball, the high school or the Nebraska softball player transferred in from Oklahoma, and it was outstanding. So anyway, uh, aside from Big Ten Media Days, Scott, a fairly big happening 
uh, occurred last night. I did not, you know, I wasn't going to drop 85 bucks on a pay-per-view and I don't go to bars. So I wasn't going to go to a sports bar to watch the fight, but Bud Crawford, you not, uh, won the, what did he do? He became the undisputed welterweight championship of the world last night. And that's the second division that he has become an undisputed champion in. No other boxer has ever done it in history. I saw the highlights. Uh, it was a clinic. I mean, he made he made Spence look stupid, <laughs> for lack of a better term. It was crazy. It was absolute domination. I don't know if you've caught any clips of it or or anything like that, but it was pretty incredible. I went down the Twitter rabbit hole with it, essentially, and uh, just kind of read a few articles about it. I did not have any time to actually like watch maybe even a highlight video. Uh, all I did was just read about it. So I have zero input other than the fact that he's definitely, arguably, um, one of the greatest boxers of all time and from our home state. Uh, so props to him. Uh, I thought it, you know, as a hip hop fan, you know, it's, you have the greatest, one of the greatest hip hop artists of all time walking out with you through your intro. Um, so shout out to Eminem as well. Um, just a couple of goats just walking out and, and, and doing some pretty cool stuff. So congratulations, bud. You know, I like, I'm not a huge boxing fan. I love boxing movies. I love boxing, like the concept of it, but just like, I just don't know enough about it to really give any input on it other than I, I, from just a factual standpoint, absolutely outstanding performance. So yep, for you, man. Yeah, absolutely. It was really cool to see the highlights and to see, uh, and I, and I watched some, some, I went down the YouTube rabbit hole. You went down Twitter. I went down YouTube. There was a bunch of like retired boxers that weighed in on it at the end and little two minute clips. And they were all like, we just couldn't believe what he did. Uh, that was an absolute clinic. So, um, another story that popped up shortly after media, uh, big 10 media days was the story of course of tight ends, former now Husker tight ends coach, Bob Wager or Wagger, or I don't know how you pronounce his name, uh, made a bad wager, if you will, <laughs> on a DUI charge, uh, blew a 0.15 or over 0.15. So he resigned from the football team. Something tells me he didn't have a choice in the matter. I don't know if he resigned on his own volition or he was just said, nope, you're done. You can either leave on your terms or ours and ours won't be kind. So um, I don't know. The one question that kind of hit my mind was, is that something, you know, with all the stuff that had come out about Pat Fitzgerald in the last couple of weeks, as well as the supposed non-story about some toxic culture in the Minnesota locker room, was this something that since it happened on Wednesday or early Thursday, is that something that should have been brought up at media days? Or do you think they were wise to keep that kind of negative PR out of the spotlight at, at media days? I think they were probably just wise, wiser for it. Um, I mean, there's word gets around, but sometimes it doesn't. I'll just Mm -hmm. say that there has been somebody in our football program who got a DUI that has never made the news. And I just refuse to talk about it because if it doesn't Mm -hmm. make the news, then I'm just not going to talk about it. And the reason why I know about it is because one of my coworkers, his brother is a state trooper. So gotcha. Gotcha. And he pulled the said, it's a football player, said football player over. 
Um, haven't seen anything about it, but I think that they can keep certain things hush hush. Um, but when it comes to a coach, it's, it's really only a matter of time before the lid blows off on that. So uh, I think it's actually a miracle that they managed to keep it under wraps up until after media days kind of concluded. Um, yeah. But my overall take is that I think it's it's kind of like you could sweep it under the rug if you wanted to. I'm sure that there are other other administrations that we've had in the past that could have easily done it. Um, and I'm sure that there are other administrations in the past that would have just cut their ties immediately. But I think no matter which way you look at this, I think it was the wise decision to just, I, I would say it was a forced resignation, like you alluded to. Yeah, it's kind so of too. like a, yeah, you either do it on your own terms or it's on our terms and, and you're not going to like the latter. So I, I think it is indication. I keep seeing all these these uh, these 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 opinions about it that are all pretty much in line with the idea that it's just proof that there's a tight run ship and that there's accountability and that there's zero tolerance for uh, degenerate mm-hmm. behaviors, um, all the way up to the coaching staff. So, uh, I mean, he was a new coach. I mean, you could have easily given him a slap on the wrist if you wanted to, but I don't think Matt Rule flies like that. So no, neither do I. I, I, I think it, it was it was a litmus test, and I think they passed it. Um, obviously, like I said, there's, mm-hmm. there's a player who got a DUI, um, and I haven't heard anything about it. So I'm sure that there was there was some inter- disciplinary action that went on with that um maybe a True. suspension that we'll find out about before the season starts but never know um, yeah. we'll never know um or maybe we will i don't know but mm-hmm. i liked i liked the way that the university handled it yeah i'm kind of in the same boat i think i think it was smart to keep it out of the media's eyes uh, and away from everybody just so that the first time at media days wouldn't have this quote-unquote scandal over top of it to me it's like a guy made a mistake he drove drunk he's uh, all indications it's never been an issue with him before but rule is obviously not gonna take any shenanigans and let's be honest we know about a former coach (laughs) a couple of coaching regimes ago who got a few duis while he while he was coaching here and he was a really good recruiter and they kind of let it slide so i think taking that hard line, making sure the players understand, Hey, this is the line. Don't cross it. I think it's pretty good. I think it's yeah, pretty good, I, especially for the I guys that are leading. A, I think it's a, I look at it like this. If you get a DUI, it's not the first time and it's not the last time you've driven drunk. Probably um, not. No, it's the, the likelihood that it was your first time ever driving under the influence and you just so happen to get caught is like, slim to none so it's clearly an indication of a behavioral pattern and i'm sure once it's highlighted that you probably aren't going to be likely to do it in the near future but Mm -hmm. hopefully hopefully this uh this gentleman learned his lesson and doesn't put lives in danger again um let alone his own yeah but uh yeah, yeah, it's just one of those I, I think it's just one of those those things that you can't really turn a blind eye to because it's mm-hmm. just it's a it's an integrity thing. And yeah. it's like if you're gonna I mean, Rule has preached about it before, you know, you, we want you to be the same person on the field as you are off the field and we and vice versa. And so 
what you do when you're not on the field or what you do when you're not in your, your office is, is as much of an indicator of how good of a coach or a player you are Mm -hmm. when you aren't at work or aren't playing the game. So I like it. I like it, but it is just unfortunate. It is. is. I was bummed, especially for all of our tight ends. I mean, I'm sure they just built a relationship with the guy and were ready to play their, play their hearts out for him. And now what is it? A special teams coach that is, Guy that was a special teams analyst, yeah, but he coached tight ends at SMU. If I read his resume correctly, yes, that's what it was. So he's he's uh, experienced with coaching that particular position in college. So that's a good, good. thing. Um, so enough of that unfun yeah. stuff. Let's get to the fun stuff. Let's uh, start off. I've got ten clips of audio or video from Coach Rule when he was interviewed up on the main stage of Big Ten Media Days. There were a few other sessions in which he talked to like Hale Varsity on the radio and on the stream yard and all that stuff. I didn't get any of that video. Chances are he was asked a lot of the same questions. My guess is chances are he would have given a lot of the same answers. So this is just what he said specifically on Big Ten Media Days to the main press corps as well as to uh, the guys at the desk uh, later in that after that afternoon. So... Let's start off with the first one. This is his opening statement as he walked up to the podium, uh, which is more of a statement than we got from the last guy. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, f- first of all, um, it's, it's great to be here. So thank you guys all for, for being here and covering uh, Nebraska football. I want to make sure I begin by uh, thanking Tony Petiti and the entire Big Ten Conference in my short amount of time. Um, it's been uh, first class, and all the other coaches have been amazing. I want to thank Trev Alberts, who's here with us. I appreciate uh, him giving me this job and giving me this great opportunity. And uh, I want to make sure I thank everyone back home, everyone in Nebraska. Um, it's been an amazing six months and uh, excited to get to the season. I brought three players here with me today, uh, Luke Reimer, um, Jeff, Jeff Sims, and Ethan Piper. All three of those guys, they're not just here for their own you know, accomplishments, and they're all very accomplished. They're also here because they represent our team. And um, I know it's just the beginning. We're just getting started. But uh, I like this team. I like our, our players. And uh, I hope you see really good football this fall. So with that, I'll see what you got. So right off the right off the cuff, my first thought was, this is a guy that when he showed up at Nebraska for his introductory press conference, he knocked it out of the park with his opening comments. Probably 20 minutes worth of waxing quite eloquently. <laughs> and he gets to Big Ten Media Days, and it's like not even a minute, and he's ready for questions. He doesn't have to win them over. He's already won us over. So I found his comments to be straightforward, no BS, no pie-in-the-sky stuff, just real succinct, and now let's get to the important stuff. Ask me what you want to ask me, right? Yep. Yep, that's basically what it was. There's no... No hesitation, no fluff, just thank yous, and let's let's get into it. I liked it. Absolutely. Well, then the next question was asked by Bill Bender from Sporting News, uh, specifically about the CU rivalry. So let's take a look at his answer on that. Well, um, if you know me, you know that I love college football. I'm a college football junkie. Um, and so I remember the, the great days, you know, Coach Osborne versus, you know, Coach McCartney, you know, uh, Rashawn Salam, you know, all, you know, all the, all the great players that played there. Um, I think it's good for college football. 
You know, I think it's great when we have regional rivalries where fans can drive to them. I think it's good for the game. And so um, as I was looking at this job, my wife and son and I, we sat down and went on YouTube, watched some of the old games, uh, wanted to make sure they understood, like, what being at Nebraska means and what a game against Colorado means. And so I'm excited for it. Uh, obviously, they're doing a great job at Colorado, and uh, we'll try to do our part to make sure that uh, it's, a, it's a great thing for college football. Thoughts? Hmm. So first thing I noted is just, I mean, it's pretty obvious, but he really wants to just drench himself in Husker culture and our history and our rivalries um, that we have had throughout the years and just specifically regional opponents that we could potentially have the Kansases, the Kansas States, the Oklahoma's, the, the, the Colorado's, um, we have plenty of, of teams that are outside of the Big Ten right now that if we were to play on a year-in, year-out basis and wrote, put them on some form of rotation, it's important for Husker fans. Even for me, I'm a younger Husker fan. I'm not even 30 yet, and I remember the, the Colorados and the mm-hmm. Oklahomas and, and teams that we haven't even played yet since we left the, the Big 12, and those things mean a lot to me. And if, I mean, the most basic thing you can do as a coach that is now a coach at Nebraska who, who didn't spend his whole life following the ins and outs of Nebraska, but watched casually as an onlooker. I mean, you have to appreciate these things. You have to appreciate like the last two years playing Oklahoma and then the first two years playing Colorado with Scott Frost and and now we got another two years with with Colorado as, with the first uh, tenure of first year of of Matt Rule. So mm-hmm. I think he's I think he's really taking it with a grain of salt and really adding some some history. Not just it's not just a football game. Well, it it is it is just a football game. I think he's really trying to lean into what it means for us as fans going into this game and trying to trying to surround himself with that mindset. But of course, still just keeping a a business attitude. I'd imagine that's what he wants to do. It's just business, but I appreciate it. I know that was a little bit of a kind of an overly, wow, you know, digging deep into the weeds (laughs) with it. But that's the way I interpret it is that he just, he wants Husker fans to know that he knows, he knows what this means to us and he's going to, and he's not going to take it lightly. I, you know what? I don't, I don't think I could have said that any better myself. Uh, I think you're exactly right. And what I also noticed in his comments is something that we heard all the stuff a couple months ago that somehow Matt Rule was throwing some side eye or some shade at Dion over there in Boulder with some of the things he was saying, just kind of subtly, you know, taking shots and all this kind of stuff. There was nothing in those comments that anybody can interpret and go, oh, here he is. He's taking shots at Dion didn't do no such thing. He just talked about how important Nebraska's history is and how, how big a part Colorado played in it. And I thought it was great. I thought it was very respectful of the rivalry uh, with Colorado as opposed to what other, some other folks on that other, across that other border of thought. <laughs> so um, this next one, this next question is one of my favorite questions of all of them that were asked. It was asked by a buddy of ours, a, Generation Red alumnus, if you will, of one of our uh, favorite guys that we've had on here a couple of times, Dustin Schutte, 
ask a really cool question. Dustin Schutte, Indiana Sports Beat. Uh, Matt, now that you're at Nebraska, i got to ask this question. Are you a chili and cinnamon rolls guy? Yeah, I, I had never heard of it before, and I was a little scared when I first heard it. Um, but, you know, I, I married a woman who went to culinary school, and as you can tell, I like the, I, I like, I like great food. I, I love great things. And so I actually went to a recruit's house, and, and, and mom made it for me. And it's, 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 it's a little bit life-changing. It's pretty good. So, yes, I am. <laughs> now, my first thought was when I first watched that and I was putting these clips together, I'm like, what am I going to say about that? Other than the fact that it's chili and cinnamon rolls, your wife made, you guys made outstanding chili, outstanding cinnamon rolls for that Super Bowl party we had a couple years ago when Joe Burrow, you know, the guy that wanted to play at Nebraska, was trying to lead, <laughs> not to open up an old wound, was trying to lead Cincinnati to a Super Bowl victory. And those were outstanding. Uh, you guys did a great job with that. Just that answer alone, hey, how can this guy not be the right hire, right? I mean, he's absolutely the right hire. And it's, you know, it's really good to see that my head coach shares the same taste as I do. So I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm fishing there. <laughs> yeah. I, the thing that stood out to me was that I was just crossing my fingers when the question was first brought up that if he tried it and if he liked it, I was like, please let it not be. I disclaimer, I love Runza. Okay. Right. Their chili and cinnamon rolls suck. Yep. The worst possible way to first try chili and cinnamon rolls. Just not not that great. Like you could you would be better off just going and getting uh Cinnabon, which is great, and getting a can of canned chili and just slapping that on top of it or dipping it in there. That would be way better alternative. But when he mm -hmm. said that he went to a recruit's house and they made it for him. That's some love right there. That's some, that's some, you know, made the there right was some way. soul. Yeah. There was some soul put into them chili and cinnamon rolls. So it's like, okay, yeah, he got, <laughs> he got the right type of uh, enculturation. Um, if that's a word. Um, yes, he did. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, no, I just, I thought that was, I thought that was pretty funny. I, it was like a good way to kind of lighten the mood and, and set a tone for the rest of the press conference yeah. of, of kind of just like, Hey, you know, you haven't proved yourself yet, so there's no really any reason to to bust your nuts for all these questions. Um, mm -hmm. And he didn't shoot himself in the foot at any point throughout the press conference. So mm -hmm. asking a no. nice, lighthearted question, I think, just kind of like brought it all together when it mm -hmm. was all said and done. Yep, absolutely. Well, the next question came from uh, Steve Merrick from Inside Nebraska. He was asking specifically, what's the one thing that Nebraska has to do this year to to get it right, to return to their winning ways? And this is where I think Matt Rule made the comment, the home run grand slam to dead center field uh, when he said this. Yeah, you know, um, I've really thought about this, right? I mean, we want to compete in every game we play, right? I mean, we play to win the game, as, as Coach Morris said. So, I mean, we're, we're, we're going to go out and try to win every game. I think there's something bigger, though, for us at Nebraska. Like, um, there was a time when Nebraska football was feared, and we certainly want to get back to that. We want to be a team that you say, you know what, that, that's a, that, that team's feared. But, but we're, not, we're not at that point yet. We're at a point right now where I, I believe that we have to take back the respect of what it means – to play Nebraska and to be Nebraska. I mean, I want people to respect when they see that white helmet with that red N on it. And so I want our fans to respect us when they pay their money to come watch us play. 
I want our opponents to respect us. I want all of college football to respect uh, the way that Nebraska plays the game. And most importantly, I want our players to respect what it means to be a Cornhusker and what it means to be at Nebraska. So this season for me is all about us not just earning, but taking back respect and bringing back respect to, to, to Nebraska football. And so once you earn respect, then you can talk about being feared. And, and that, that's the process we're going to go through. So, so the thoughts that I have is that he's saying all the right things, um, mm-hmm. but obviously it's got to translate. Mm-hmm. But if it doesn't, I think he's setting himself up for like a, like if it all fails, let's just say that he doesn't produce, we continue to get sub 500 seasons and our culture continues to fail to jumpstart itself. You can't, you can't knock the guy for at least trying. I mean, if, if, if what he's saying is true, which I think it is, is that we have to earn our respect back. There's not a single facet of Twitter or Reddit or Facebook, if anything shared about Nebraska in some neutral way, fans from all over the country have no problem dogging on Nebraska and treating them like they're Yale. That, yes, right. Yale was a dominant football program 100 years ago, and now they're completely <laughs> irrelevant to the, to the football realm of things. They, yeah. they tend to think of Nebraska like that because as far as people are concerned, it's an ancient memory when Nebraska was good and when Nebraska mm-hmm. was relevant. Um, and so what I think Matt Rule is, is really doing here is not only is he setting up for fans, giving them kind of a, a sigh of relief that it's like, okay, he gets it. He, he's, he's speaking our language right now. I don't think any Husker fans truly think that this can just be flipped in one year. I don't think that any Husker fans, I, I don't think that there's a, a majority of Husker fans that believe that we can compete for a national championship anytime in the near future. I, I really think that the, 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 the climate of Husker nation is let's just be competitive again. Let's make yep. every team that plays us on a week to week basis think I could walk away from this game with a loss. That when Michigan comes to town or we go to Michigan playing the big house or uh, Ohio State or Penn State and (laughs) Iowa and all the teams, all the teams in the Big Ten, they shouldn't look at Nebraska like the general feeling of, let's just say, Rutgers. Mm -hmm. Rutgers has has played respectfully the last few years, especially with their coach coming back. And Maryland's playing more respectfully with Mike Loxley taking over the helm. So Mm -hmm. the Big Ten doesn't have their their little peons anymore. Um, but I, I would like to have this feeling again, where it's like the, the opponents that play us respect us and that they don't, they don't chalk us off as the, the team that's going to figure out a way to lose. Because I, I, I still see that in comments where it's like, I, I'm an SEC fan. Like I saw this comment the other day. It was like I I'm a Tennessee fan, and and I joke with my buddies like I like at the bars watching a game. I wonder if they're going to Nebraska this, you know, like for other teams. They just it's like a it's a right. term that they use now. Are they going to Nebraska this? It's like so Nebraska's completely lost its national respect, I just completely. And mm-hmm. so Matt Rule has to find a way to claw our way back up to at least being respected. Maybe not contending, but respected. To where when we get to the end of the season, we're playing in a bowl game and we're probably going to win that bowl game. Um, that's what I would like to see. And so I think I think he's really just trying to ease the hearts and minds of of Husker Nation 
that he gets it. He knows what kind of work we've got in front of us, but Mm -hmm. he also gets the fact that we're not a slouch of a program. We're not an irrelevant program. We just have been irrelevant recently, unfortunately. So that's kind of, that's kind of how I, I viewed that, that whole statement. Mm -hmm. And I loved it. It I agree, dad, that was home run. There's no, there's no better way he could have said that. I, I can't imagine a better way. I can't even think of anything that he said that was like, oh, I wanted to have said it that way, or oh, maybe that was a little bit too much, or oh, maybe that was a little bit humble. He didn't he didn't downplay and he didn't overplay, and it just was perfect. Yep. There was no, well, they better get us now because come year two, we're going to be taking care of business. There was no, we hope that the Big Ten has to adjust for us. There was none of that bravado. This was just a guy being honest about the state of his program and saying we have to earn the respect that we have lost. He understands exactly where this program is within the college football landscape. Uh, We're not respected or feared, and nobody's intimidated to come play in Memorial Stadium anymore. And, uh, you know, ask Georgia Southern. They had no issue. So I think he understands more than anything that not only is this what Nebraska fans like to hear, but this is what his team needs to hear. They need to hear. You got to go out there and earn that respect. Go out there and smack that dude in the face mask 70 times in this game. Make sure he remembers that he played against you. You know, that's where we need to get back to. And I think. I think this is more than talk. I think this is a guy that that's exactly the way he lives his life. He wants to be respected for how he lives away from the field and how he coaches on it. And I think he's going to demand nothing but the exact same thing from his players Um, to move on. That was, gosh, I loved that comment. Uh, This one is interesting too. Uh, Oliver Vandervoort from Husker Corner um, asked about the difference in preparation that he's doing now that he's come back to college football and specifically to Nebraska and the big 10 versus when he coached at temple and Baylor. And this is, this is his response. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I think um, I've been very blessed that coach Osborne has been willing to share some things with me. Um, you know, we're, we have a little bit larger roster than, than I've had at other places I've been. And so really practicing in the ways that coach Devaney, coach Osborne, coach Solich did for 42 years of really dominance, um, having multiple stations, multiple drills going on, a lot like we practiced at Penn State, but I hadn't done that for many years and getting back to it this spring has been really good for us. And, and, um, so I think that's maybe not about the Big Ten. It's just more about being at Nebraska. You know, I'd be a fool if I didn't ask Coach Osborne what the blueprint is. And uh, he's been, you know, he doesn't talk about plays. He talks about the way they practice first and foremost. And then, you know, I've evolved, you know, being in the NFL, um, being at different places. This is my fourth head coaching job. I tried to be really intentional taking this job about how am I going to do it. So, and I say I, I mean, I've got great coaches and uh, they bring a lot to the table, a lot of ideas. And um, uh, we're, we're going to try to put it together as best we can. That's the sound of a guy who's comfortable in his own skin and understands that um, there's not just one specific rule print, if you will, to how to get a program turned back around. He's turned two different programs around in college football. We all know about Temple and Baylor, but he did it differently in both places. Temple was more power football because he was like, I'm in the AAC. They all run the spread. Let's throw an offense at him that they're not used to seeing. Then he gets to the Big 12 and is like, well, we don't have a lot of big dudes that want to come play at Baylor. We've got to kind of go with what we've got. So let's stick with the spread. Let's go back to the no huddle. 
and play efficient football. And then what he ended up doing was running a really good three-three-five <laughs> defense. That was one of the best in the Big 12 for a couple of years there. So he understands um, what he needs to do depending on where he's at. And I think being from the Big 10 originally as a walk-on at Penn State, he understands the physicality of the league. And I think um, leaning on Tom Osborne, uh, leaning on Frank Solich, leaning on all the past, he understands how important the past was, how important doing things the way that they were done that made Nebraska so dominant for so long is something he needs to bring into the 21st century. Don't copy it, but just bring it here and revamp it and make it work for today's player. I don't know. That's that's what I got out of those comments. I I think you couldn't have said that any better because um, that's that's basically kind of how I'm interpreting what he's trying to convey to us mm-hmm. is that he's trying to get a hybrid fusion of everything that he knows thus far, what he knows he needs to know for the evolution of college football and everything that he uh, on top of everything he needs to know for the big 10 specifically. And then just to sprinkle in there some historical trends of, of the past with what our program has been successful with in the past, not to say that it'll be successful running exactly the way it did in the nineties. Cause I don't think that's possible, but you take little mm-hmm. essences of it. You take, you take the soul from the nineties and you, and you, and, and you rebrand it for, you know, the 20, the 2020s. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of how, how I viewed it, whether or not he can be successful with it. Obviously I'm going to keep saying this until, until kickoff and, and yeah. the season starts to get, about halfway through, you know, what are we going to actually see? Are we going to see just the small things? Cause that's what I'm going to be looking for when he's talking about things like he just did. What I see that as him, what I see that as is him saying, we've just got to do the smallest things possible and get those right first. And everything else will just come with time. Um, so yeah, i but I think I think you said it perfectly. I, I that's all I can really add on to that. That was that was that was good. I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, next question. I didn't get the name. The guy said his name, but I I didn't quite understand what it was. So, uh, but he asked specifically about recruiting the state of Nebraska and the fact that uh, he was very positive. He was pretty fired up about how Rule has kind of kind of recruited the state and wants to lock it down. So here's Rule's response to that. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I think the great thing with, you know, for me was, I don't know if it was great. I mean, I, I was out of work when I took this job, right? So I had some time. And so in between, like, you know, driving my kids <laughs> to school and pick, pickups and all that, I spent a lot of time looking at recruits. And Evan Cooper, who's on my staff, who who's really been my recruiting guy, right-hand guy all along, we watched not just the kids that were committed, to Nebraska. We watched the 2023 class that was still out there. We watched the 2024s, the 2025s. And what I saw was, you know what? There's a lot of talent in Nebraska. And even this year, you know, like we had 3,000 kids come through our camps. Like we wanted to reinvigorate the camps. So everyone from third grade all the way up through seniors in high school. And guys came to our camps, you know, from small towns all across the state that, that maybe weren't on our radar, but they certainly are now. And so um, that was all intentional. And that was part of the reason why we took the job because if you're strong at home, if there's talent coming from Nebraska, 
then you're going to win. And, and um, we have a certain ratio that we want to have. We want to make sure we always have hometown kids there. Guys who grew up and being a Cornhusker means something a little bit more to them. That's really, really important to me. And so to keep that talent home was good. And I think that's good when you bring a kid in from Florida, you bring a kid in from Texas, to be surrounded by guys that are local that can take them home, that can, you know, show them a little love, parents that will, you know, adopt them and, you know, be there for them. That That's how you have a program like Nebraska take off. I think one of the most underrated parts of Nebraska that I think the nation is starting to catch on to is that there are some gems in Nebraska, hidden gems, um, athlete-wise for football, obviously volleyball, baseball, softball. Nebraska is a sports state, and most people don't realize that. And it's been an absolute travesty that in the last decade, we have fallen short as a program recruiting hard on our in-state kids. And I, Matt Rule said it himself. He's like, there's some talent here and we can't let that go. Watching Zane Flores go to Oklahoma State just is so mind boggling because he's an absolute talent. And I think he's going to be successful over there. Um. We can't lose guys like that. And the fact that he's locked down, what is it, eight of the top 10 recruits in our state, seven, eight of them, um, that is more than sufficient. I would love to get 10 out of 10. That'd be great. But sometimes programs just don't, or like systems just don't line up with what what talents uh, recruits have. So you can't win them all. But what he has done has been phenomenal. Now, I think what the what the comment or the the reporter was kind of implying and and hopefully people understand is yes in the last the whole the whole frost era we have had top 25 classes we are having another top 25 class so from a ranking standpoint there's there's not much of a difference between other recruiting classes in this one the difference is is that the in-state talent we're locking down more and I think that overall average, we are actually better than Frost had ever recruited. We, we've gone up like five spaces because I think the best was the best recruiting class Frost had. Was it top 20, like 20, 19, something like that? Oh, you're muted. Um, My bad. <laughs> what was it? I think it was 20 or 21, somewhere in there was yeah. the class. Yeah. And across all the rankings, we're, we're ranked as good as, what is it? 15, 16, all the way up to 2021. Um, so obviously they, they rank things a little bit differently than in times past. But when it comes to the quality versus quantity aspect, yes, we've got a, we've got a pretty big recruiting class. But I think that you look at those guys and you look at the history of Matt Rule, he's a developer. He doesn't need stars behind names. And the fact mm-hmm. that he's gotten plenty of guys with stars behind their names, uh, it, you could look at it either way. You could look at it and go, uh-oh, is he just picking up a bunch of you know high-star recruits that you know maybe other programs weren't as interested in them as maybe we had thought, and he just so happened to pick them up? Or if you want to, yeah, if you want to be you know a little bit uh, pessimistic about it or optimistic and say, no, these guys want to be developed into five-star players. Mm-hmm. And they know the the track record of Matt Rule at Temple and tra- especially at Baylor putting dudes into the NFL. I mean, mm-hmm. oh, 
it's 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 pretty it's pretty impressive what he's done. It's pretty yeah. impressive because just oh, I I don't want to relive the the trauma of the <laughs> of the Frost transition to Mickey <laughs> Joseph transition to rule. Yeah. I mean, it was painful. We were we were a plane crash. Nobody yeah. wants to hop on board on a plane that's crashing. So the fact that he was able to get. I wasn't expecting even a top 25 class this recruiting cycle. I was seriously expecting, okay, we're going to be in the 35s, 45s, something like that. You mm-hmm. know, maybe a few four stars, but mostly mid to low range three stars, maybe a high range three star, whatever. I was not expecting a top 25 class. The fact that he's done that is yep. just, yes, that's what's impressive. The context of that. I don't know how he did it, but he did. Yeah, he's pretty amazing. Uh, the fact that his opening comment there when he was answering the question, what really grabbed my ear right away was as soon as he was thinking that this was going to be a job possibility, he was already looking at recruits. <laughs> he was recruiting before he was even allowed to recruit, watching tape, figuring out who the good players were for 23, 24, and 25. Um, and, you know, 3,000 kids from Nebraska at a camp. That's pretty cool. From what I understand, that's pretty good chunk of them were fullbacks too at a specifically at a fullback camp too so that's pretty awesome um yeah i think the dude is serious about the state he's way more serious about the state than the guy that uh, was here before him so i think that's pretty awesome um the next question was weird i don't know if you remember it it was gal she never introduced herself or where she was from sounded like she was from wisconsin and it was this rambling weird question it was a that statement she, more than it was a question yeah and i didn't include it because i'm like why uh if you want to see it you can find it big 10 network has her youtube channel you'll find it uh, but it was weird and she was kind of relating a school shooting or something or a parade shooting that happened in kenosha and then that the fact that nebraska was playing wisconsin and they all prayed at midfield or something as a result like 24 hours before. or whatever it was just it was very like, odd. Something about culture. Yeah. Something about, I mean, she was like going all the way around the bus to get yeah. to the question of like culture. Uh, well, yeah, culture. What are you going to do to maintain not. a good culture? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but this is a, a rule being who he is, uh, probably looking at a question that was kind of like, okay, whatever. He just absolutely had no issue with I was going to say, well. I was going to say, before you play the clip, it's like, If you want to know a guy who knows how to answer questions that make your brain turn into mashed potatoes, (laughs) this is how you do it. It's like, I was amazed. I was like, when, when it was all said and done, I was like, where do you begin to dissect this, this not question and come up with like a, an answer. So yeah, play the clip. It's, 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 it's it's actually pretty impressive to a question that really wasn't a question that you're not sure the, what the question was. So here you go. Well, I think our program, our entire program, um, is built on really one purpose. You know, we have a mission that we want to be the best team in college football and the best program in college football and the way that we do everything. But really, our purpose and my purpose for taking this job and being in college football is so that young people, when they're 25, 30, 35, 40, that they say, you know what, my life is better because I, I went to Nebraska. You know, and people might scoff at that, but that's 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 why we do what we do. And so... Uh, we try to attack each and every day, every single player in terms of who they are as football players, but who they are as students and also who they are as people. And young people right now in our society, I mean, there's never been a time where where they're 
There's been more peril towards our, our younger generations, right? Coming out of COVID, they're way, way less resilient. There's way less connections. And so, um, whereas when I grew up, my connections were the Boy Scouts and the high school and the local church and all these things. Like kids nowadays are st- suffering from stress and anxiety and depression. And a lot of it, it, people believe, is because they don't have those connections. A lot of kids are just connected to their phones. And so our program, if you watch it, like we're out in the community every, all the time. And Gus Felder, our player development guy, does a tremendous job. And we're impacting the community because I want us to have connections, connections to each other, connections to the community. Um, we're at a lot of a lot of education's online now, but even then, we're still doing it in, in our academic environment because kids they, they they can't leave college and not know how to be in a meeting. They can't learn not how to have discourse. They can't not know how to disagree with people and learn how to listen to other people that disagree. Wouldn't the world be a better place if we all knew how to disagree with each other respectfully? So, um, and then and then the spiritual component, whatever their worldview is, we have we have players that are Christian, we have players that are Muslim, we have players that don't maybe believe in anything. Whatever their worldview is, um, we're there to walk them through that we're there to be there for them because who they are as people is way more important than who they are as players and that might not be popular and we all want to talk about transfer portals and nil and all that stuff that's cool these these get this this group of kids is going to wake up in 10 years and all that'll be gone and who they are as people will matter so that's that's kind of our purpose and i appreciate the question what a class act um especially right at the end i appreciate the question even though (laughs) I didn't know what the hell the question was (laughs) for all intents and purposes. The fact that he acknowledged it and said, I appreciate the question that just uh, speaks volumes to the kind of person a Matt rule is. And as he was answering the question, the type of people he wants to develop in his program, that's beyond just winning on the field. He wants them to win at life more than anything. And I know it sounds like a cliche, but I truly believe that this guy actually lives that on a day-to-day basis. One of the things that I, it's seriously the smallest thing, but one of the things I appreciated as like a, oh, what would it be? Like a psychology nerd um, is that when he was tying it all together, he was talking about seriously like cultural problems, which is a very divisive subject to to bring up Um, because everybody has their interpretations of the most, you know, troubling issues of generations to come and generations that are. And he just, he says what I think is true, but I know a lot of people would be upset about, which is that a lot of what kids are struggling with these days is they're just stuck on their phones all the time. And they have a, they have a skewed view of the world because of it. Cause all they see is just all this algorithmic, just tension all the time that just, it wants you to see, the worst aspects of humanity at all times. And so kids are getting a wildly uh, inaccurate worldview from it. And, but the way he says it, talking about it, he says, people say that it's because of it. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say it is because of it. He doesn't, he doesn't make a, a factual statement or an authoritative statement about it. He just, he just basically relates it to, this is things that people hold opinions of, and he clearly probably finds it to be true, but he's not ostracizing the room. He's living up to his to his statement of like people need to re- disagree respectfully, which one of the one of the ways that you can disagree respectfully is to not make your opinions made on authoritative ground. And right. so he did exactly what you said. He is living 
by his word, just in the press conferences. He's living by his word just by saying it like that because psychology is a, is a very finicky thing. You can make Freudian slips all the time without even mm-hmm. knowing it. And if he would have just made a bunch of authoritative statements leading up to disagreeing respectfully, well, you're, the proof isn't very much in the pudding there, buddy. And I've noticed it throughout a lot of his press conferences is that he what what is it? He 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 sheds off the the I, the me, the this is how it is, this is the way it should be, this is all that you should ever know about anything ever. It's the ego. He he dis he disconnects his ego from cultural issues and yeah, cultural issues and political issues and religious issues. He just completely disconnects himself from it and 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 puts it all together in in a more like I I I I hate to use this word, but it's inclusive. The way that the way that he is able to describe his philosophy of coaching, it's it feels inclusive. It feels like no matter where you come in life, no matter if you're the person who's praying on the field, you know. 24 hours before some maniac drives a truck into a parade or something. I think that was what she was referencing. Um, or you hold a, an agnostic view of things or you vote this way or you vote that way. No matter what, we're all humans and we all yep. need to learn to get along with each other regardless of our worldview. And the way that he described it, I just thought was perfect. And maybe that's me being biased and maybe I need to look inward a little bit more and maybe there's something I'm doing wrong here. I don't know, <laughs> but let's, let's hope that he can put it all together, take his words and, and make them all actually make sense in, in the real world. Cause even if let's just say that he doesn't win games, but every player that leaves this program in 10 years, like he said, they know who they are and they know what they're supposed to do with their life mm-hmm. and they can find meaning and purpose because of the culture that they were exposed to in college I think that's worth, that's priceless. That's priceless. Yep, absolutely. Um, So next, who was next? Mitch Sherman from The Athletic uh, popped up and and asked a question specifically about his impact and the timing of his hiring coming toward the end of the Go Big project, uh, coming to completion and whether or not he had a whole lot of say in as to how that project is being completed. This is a really cool answer. Yeah, well, the um, the Go Big project, the facility that was being built, that was started, you know, obviously by the previous regime, is I think a game changer. Um, you might have heard me say this before, but when my when my wife walked through it for the first time, you know, she's been in a lot of football facilities. She walked into my office and she's like, "You better win some dang games because you got no excuses." I mean, it's it's beautiful, and um, you know, it was all set. There's not really many changes I can make, and nor, nor that needed to be made. I think the one thing is really a focus not on recruiting, but on player development, right? Um, I didn't want the first thing that you walked in and saw to be like our shoes. <laughs> I wanted it to be like our mission, our purpose. And, and so recovery, regeneration, you know, all the things that I've, you know, I've had a chance to be around some of the best athletes in football. And um, you see the way that they take care of their bodies. Really, Trev's allowed us to, from nutrition to strength and conditioning, sports science, recovery, put the best things in the world in that building so that we can be on the cutting edge and, and our players can recover and be be as healthy as possible. So um, I'm, I'm glad I got there at that time to help do that. Yeah. Um, God, there's really not much to say about that other than the fact that he understood 
that he has no excuses when it comes to facilities. You're not going to get out recruited by somebody because your facilities suck, right? And uh, and it sounds like he asked for a different ambiance, if you will, when you walk into the facility, that it wasn't all about flash and cash. It was about something more substantial, mission, purpose, playing with the purpose, not just showing up and being big man on campus. And I think I, I really appreciated that approach on that answer. Yeah, from what I've been hearing, I know people I know people hold certain opinions about chiropractors that it's like a pseudoscience or whatever. Um but my opinion on it is that yes, there's a lot of pseudo doctors that are chiropractors that they they're just there to make you think that all of your problems can be fixed in the chiropractic office, but mm-hmm. In all reality, it requires a lot of, a lot of uh, re- like remedial stretching and things you do at home and lifestyle changes that you make that that help you recover your body. Right. And my chiropractor, he actually works with the athletic department and with the strength and conditioning with Campbell. Um, he's actually his neighbor, and mm, cool. one of the things that he has highlighted that he's noticed in this program versus the previous regime that was here is that they are very, very in tuned with recovery and proper nutrition. I mean, obviously the nutrition aspect was actually, that was perfectly fine. They didn't really have nutrition problems before. I just, I'm going to include it, but recovery conditioning, um, things that, that our players need to do on their own time, the things that, a lot of us, when we go to the doctor and they tell you, go home and, you know, ice it and, and heat compress it and do it every this, this amount of time and, you know, make sure you're stretching in the morning and in the evening and all this stuff. I think that this, this coaching staff is really, really pushing for that kind of culture because if there's anything that we've noticed in the last like four years is injuries. We have, in, we've guys going out on injuries all the dang time. And it just seems like it at a, at a, it seems like it's going at a higher rate than the average in the Big Ten, say. And I think a lot of that had to do with we had all of the right equipment, we had all of the right things, but there was no culture that that yeah. pushed for excellence outside of those walls. And we also didn't have the right brains in the building to implement those things to the most efficient way that they possibly could. And so here in rule talk about like, yeah, looks great, but how are we going to use it? Are we going to use it purposefully and and with meaning? And so I think, I think that's basically what he's getting at is that they're going to try and do that. And according to my chiropractor, he says yep. that they're 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 going about it. They're they're doing things in an entirely different way and in the right way that he remembers going to school being taught about. So yep. we will see. Pretty cool moonbot there. That question, that comment I put up there, um, that re- references the grass practice. Field oh yes. Put in. Um, there's a really cool interview. I highly recommend anybody that is not subscribed to or hasn't found the Herd at Sports YouTube channel. Go find it. There is a like an hour long interview that Damon Benning did with Matt Rule, and he talks specifically about the grass practice fields, about all the research that he did into all the knee injuries that Nebraska has experienced over the last twenty years. Just trying to figure out what could we have done different. How do we 
work these kids in such a way where they don't get hurt, give them the best surface that they can play on. He talks specifically about, it's like coming out of a, when you're running a sprint and you decelerate, we're teaching them a different way to decelerate. So that puts the minimal stress on their knees, just all that stuff. I mean, he's so mm. into the details uh, that I'm not surprised that he walked into the facility and went, yeah, we don't need shoes and uniforms and all that crap in here. We need, we need uh, utility stuff. We just need utility stuff, how we're going to use this and show these kids what they're going to be using when they come here, as opposed to all the flashing cash. Um, next up was Aaron Sorensen from Hale Varsity. One of my favorites, uh, as She's usual, great. or she asks specifically about him wanting to coach in the big 10. Well, I think that, you know, I, when I was coming back to college football, uh, Julie and I were very intentional that we wanted two things, really. Uh, we wanted to go somewhere where we, where we wanted to raise our kids, and I can't think of a better place than Lincoln to raise our kids. And then we, we wanted to be in the Big Ten. Um, I, think, I think we have a responsibility as coaches is to prepare our guys, not obviously for life, but also for pro football. And when you watch the way teams play in the Big Ten, the way they play defense, the way they play up front, the schemes that you see, it, it prepares them for the next level. So um, I think, you know, you're watching, there's a shift. There's a lot of new coaches. There'll be some more diversity in terms of the offenses. Well, obviously, we're bringing in a, a 3-3-5 defense that not many teams are running. So you'll see some differences. Um, but that's, you know, to, to thrive in a conference as, as prestigious as the Big Ten, you have to be a little different. You have to evolve. And so I'm excited to go through my first year. I might have a different answer next year. But uh, I've studied a lot of the teams. I have a lot of respect for these coaches and, and teams. What do you think? I think it's I think it's just telling that he wants every aspect to be intentional. Everything from where his family is going to grow yep. and where players are going to thrive in and unfortunately I couldn't help but get distracted. Uh, Moonbot mentioned it earlier. Mm -hmm. um, he made a comment earlier. I'll read it since obviously our listeners uh, might not have seen it. Um, but uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. Yes, he said, rule will be successful. Just need to be fans of Penn State winning as well so they don't poach him <laughs> in five years. Because um, when he does mention that he's like, I want a great place to raise a family and I want it to be in the Big Ten. Well, I can think of another state where you could raise a really good family and it's in the Big Ten and it's also his alum. So yeah. um, what I really hope more than anything out of this uh, coaching staff is that even if I hate to think about it like this in this in this context, when we haven't even started our first season with Matt Rule, right? If he can at least create a better foundation for our program moving forward, if let's say Franklin in five years decides that he's not a good fit for Penn State anymore, and Rule wants to go to his alum, um, at, at the very least, I hope that he changes our culture and he puts us back in a respectable place in the big 10. And then uh, when we play Penn state that he doesn't like just completely embarrass us. Um, that, that was pretty much the, that was pretty much the, the part that I just couldn't, I couldn't get out of my mind when, when it was said, cause that's honestly one of my biggest fears. Yeah. I really would like to think that, that, that Matt rule is the type of guy who's going to be like, you know, uh, 
he's going to be like a, a Tom Osborne or a Frank Solich where they just, once they find their job where they know they're in a very comfortable place and that they can win and win and win and win and win and win year in, year out, that he why just stays. Leave, why yeah. would you want to leave? Um, but I can, I can tell you right now that if, if, uh, if it were up to me, if I, if I, could have the same life that I have right now, but like copied and pasted over in Pennsylvania. I would love to live in Pennsylvania It's a beautiful state. So I won't blame him if he leaves. I don't mean to be all like a Debbie downer, just like swerve into a completely irrelevant topic. But I just, that was the, that was the thought that I had. I was like, Oh, great. Uh, why do I have to be so pessimistic? <laughs> well, it's built into us. It's be- pessimism has been bashed into us for 20 years. You know, uh, I just tend to look at it from a point of view of, well, if he goes, he goes, if he stays, he stays. He doesn't just develop players. He also develops coaches. Chances are somebody's going to pop up on this staff. That's going to be an obvious head coaching candidate. If he decides that his alma mater wants to hire him. I just don't see that happening. I I just don't see James Franklin getting canned there and swapped out for rule. I just don't, unless Franklin uh, resigns for something bigger, whatever that would be. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, you Penn never State know. can win national championships. They just got to get a few things squared yeah, away. Absolutely. I think everybody's sleeping on Penn State this year. I think they could give. Uh, I don't know about Michigan, but I think they could give Ohio State a run for their money this season. Uh, Sam McEwen, Omaha World Herald. I loved his question. I thought it was extremely insightful on, you know, attention to detail. What is the most important detail that has to be fixed right away? Um, that's that, that to me, not, not letting people get ahead of themselves, that's the whole key. And I'll say it like... What I love about Nebraska is it's literally written on the side of the stadium day by day. Like, that's the key. Like, so we talk about 42 years. It wasn't that we ran the ball, ran option, or played this defense. It was this mindset from Coach Osborne, um, from Coach Devaney, from Coach Solich. Like, every every little detail matters every single day. And so, like, we have to earn the right to even talk about playing Minnesota. You know, like, we have to go to training camp, and we have to every single day be elite in every single area. So that is the whole core of what we try to do. Um, uh, is is to block out all the noise and block out all our thoughts, you know, and and learn from the past, you know, prepare for the future, but live in the present. And so that present focus is is what will determine who we are. And um, you know, right now we have to deal with the fact that guys haven't won and they want to win. At some point, Sam, we're going to be winning, and we have to deal with the fact that like everyone's going to lose their mind and be happy all the time. Like you're the same person whether you lost or won, if you're, whether you excuse me, lost or won, if you're a good coach and good player. So we want to have that every single day locked in focus of today's all that matters. Um, you know, I, I, I really study Coach Belichick a lot and uh, had a chance to go up and coach, you know, coach against him in a practice in a preseason game. And one of his key guys was working for us. And I remember him saying, like, after they hung out, uh, after they handed out the Super Bowl trophy, you never, you never watched it, you never looked at it again. Because that trophy and those rings had nothing to do with the future. And so for me, our guys know that you can win a national championship in Nebraska because it's been done. But we have to concentrate on today, not even not even game one or game five. Today, 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 that's all that matters. So I'm trying to do my best job today, and then tomorrow I'm going to do tomorrow. And I can't wait for Sunday, but I can't forget about, you know, Friday and Saturday before I get there. So that's our mindset. That's why I believe that we'll win, and I'm grateful to everybody. Thanks for listening to me.
So there you go. That wrapped up his comments at the main stage uh, for Big Ten Media Days. I thought it was a very succinct way to wrap it up day by day, obviously. Um, I know we talked about it last time we streamed with uh, Eric Francis from Hale Varsity that you couldn't catch a Husker football coach without a day-by-day T-shirt on during the first couple of years of the Frost era. Now it seems like these guys are living it. Instead of just wearing it as a motto, I think they're living it. And I think, quite frankly, if I had my choice, I have a feeling take back our respect is going to be the the team motto in 2023. And I thought that other comment, I can't remember. I know I've read it before. I don't know if it came from him specifically originally or if it was someone else. But learn from the past, prepare for the future, but live in the present. you know, as we talked about with uh, Willie Miller a few months ago when we did our our podcast about recovery, uh, that's literally my day-to-day motto. Learn from what I did in the past, prepare myself to stay sober, and be a good man in the future, and absolutely live in the present. Don't get too far ahead of myself. So, Yeah, I think, I think what young men in our culture these days need more than anything is purpose and they need meaning. Um, and nothing gives them meaning more than anything than a mission that keeps them engaged on a day-to-day basis. Cause I think I, I don't mean to get philosophical here, but I mean, happiness isn't having a lot of money. Mm. Happiness isn't being comfortable. Happiness isn't living in air conditioning. (laughs) Happiness is purpose and it's a day-to-day thing. Mm -hmm. There are some days that are worse than others and there are some days that are better than others. But just because you had a really good day doesn't mean that you're going to have a good day the next day. And just because you had a really, really bad day doesn't mean you're going to have a bad day the next day. And so I think these kids are going to learn these types of, of mentalities that if you live on a day-to-day basis, living in the present, that's good, but you also still need to reflect on your past and where you've made mistakes and you need to prepare for the future. Like he said, right? like that was one of the things that I actually disagreed with. Um, I had a, a coach, not like a, not an actual coach, but like a, a sobriety coach, very right. wise guy, very wise guy, but he, he was completely, subscribed to the living in the present, the the Tao Te Ching kind of mindset of never thinking about the past, never thinking about the future, just being present and in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing that I disagreed with on that is that how can you have a compass or how can you have a map in life if if all you are concerned with is is your micro day-to-day actions? You still have to have a vision for the future because you need a map. But you still also need to have uh, an archive of the past so that you can remind yourself where you've been and the things that you've done wrong and the things that you've done right. Because, mm-hmm. like, I mean, I just for a super goofy, uh, like, meta or uh, like a, an anecdote or whatever a metaphor is like golfing. Like, if I'm not, I can be present when I'm swinging the golf club, that's fine. But sometimes I, I have bad habits that come out. And Mm -hmm. unless I can remember a lesson that I was taught before and think about the past where somebody or something has taught me something in the past, I'm not going to grow. 
and that we all have bad habits. And there's one thing that is for sure that Matt rule is going to have to deal with for the next, uh, this next season is that there's going to be a lot of bad habits that our players are going to have. And if they can truly Mm -hmm. live by the model of, of being present in the moment, learning from their past and having a vision for their future, I think that those mistakes are going to weigh less on them because, Mm -hmm. because it's not something you should be concerned with. I think, I think that what we've seen in the past is guys, they get stuck in their own damn heads so quickly and so easily because, because they see a mistake that they make right now as an indictment on their future. And it's not the case. It's not true. Right. Something that I think that young minds have to learn as they get older and as they get wiser, they need to learn from their mistakes and those mistakes are valuable. They're okay. Um, You just have to learn from them. That's the hard part. Cause God, I mean, one thing that you and I, we, we've discussed this before (laughs) is we're our own worst enemies. Sometimes we make, we make some really dumb decisions on a regular basis. It is like, I just made this dumb decision not too long ago. And I thought it was a dumb decision then. Why did I make it now? Do it again. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I think I think that's just a human experience. And if our coaches are truly wise, and I hope that they are, and if mm-hmm. our coaches are truly coaches, and I hope that they are, I think that our guys are in good hands. So okay. that's that's really all all I can all I can sure. say on that. It's it's just it's so it's so refreshing. It's mm-hmm. so refreshing to not have I mean, we seriously we had quite a contrast. I'll finish this up. We had quite a contrast of three coaches. We had Bo Pelini, who was just angry and upset all the time. And then we had Grandpa Riley, who was just sunshine and ice cream cones. Just everything's fine. Everything's great. And then you had Scott Frost, who was just just kind of like, he just had a dip in his lip and didn't really say anything. Like it just did it. <laughs> And when he did, it was always like the shittiest possible thing you could possibly say. And so it was like you had the tale of three coaches and then you have Matt rule who God, you know, just, I hope that it translates on the field because, because he's saying all the right things, Mm -hmm. but we'll just, we'll see. I'm very excited. I'm very, very excited to see this Thursday night kickoff with, with Minnesota and see how we play against a formidable big 10 opponent. Um, because my goodness, if, if our guys can, 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 but if we lose against Minnesota and then we see a few mistakes, we see a few patterns, we see a few things that you go, all right, here comes that model, that, that, that model that, that Matt rule talked about of you got to learn from your past, but you got to live present and you've got to have a map for the future. And then they roll into Colorado and just lay some absolute haymakers on them. Mm-hmm. That would be that would be evidence that our guys are are getting taught the right things and in the right way. Sure, sure. Well, I'm going to call an audible. <laughs> Football All right. term. Uh, we still have ten more clips to go from the Big Ten desk, and uh, a lot of it's some of the same oh, yeah. territory. So I think we've pretty much covered who Rule is and what he did at Big Ten Media Days. So why don't we wind this thing up and uh, talk about our fun facts, and I'll let you go ahead and lead off. What is your fun fact for tonight? 
Okay. Yeah, that is definitely an audible. I forgot about the the second segment. I would have been less winded. If, it's uh, all right, dude. We can save we them. We could that. always do them in a couple of weeks if we really feel like it with uh, K-Dub in the studio. Might be a fun That's discussion. True. That's true. Um, yeah, and I haven't I haven't actually seen the the network desk interview like at all. So I need to actually watch that tonight. I was kind of kind of That's excited funny. to do just like uh just immediate impression, but um oh, cool. That's yeah. cool. No, okay. Um so fun fact is that uh uh so this last week I actually just got back from a flight because I was on vacation with my wife. Um fun fact is that we flew coast to coast. Mm-hmm. Um we flew up to Washington for a wedding, a friend's wedding of hers. Um, beautiful. We stayed out of Seattle for the most part. The one time we did venture in there. Oh man. If you see anything about the, uh, on the media talking about Seattle and their problems, won't go into the details of what those problems are, but they are true. They are a hundred percent true. Um, but everything outside, if you were if you were out a 30-mile radius outside of the metropolitan area of Seattle, beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Um, we enjoyed our stay there, and then we got on a flight from Seattle to Boston, and then we got a rental car from Boston and drove up to uh, Portland, Maine. Um, but more, more specifically, we were in the Portland to Brunswick to Georgetown to five islands. So just kind of this little, this little L shape of, uh, nice. the, uh, the state of Maine. Um, so never been to Maine before, never really been up to the upper East coast before, uh, furthest up the East coast I had, I'd ever been was when we went to Philadelphia. Um, so mm-hmm. That's that's pretty cool. I I was really excited about that, and it was beautiful. I had lobster every day. The yeah, lobster was so cheap; it was like, oh my gosh, twelve bucks a pound for lobster wow. that's cooked in front of you. Like <laughs> you pick out your lobster, they just drop it in a little in a little bucket, and they're like, "Is this good?" And you're like, "Yeah, that looks great." And um, wow. so I had lobster one night, then I had a lobster roll the next night, and then I had lobster again. And it's not. It's not, you know, filleted. It's not like displayed or anything. They just give you a lobster like it's a giant crawfish and you have to cut into the thing and open it up and pull all the meat out. And it was just oh, such a invigorating Yummy. experience. And we actually stayed in a tree house in Maine too. So it was like a big tree house that's just overviewing a, 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 a bay kind of river that cuts through and goes from one side of the ocean to the other side of the ocean. Um with our own kayaks and canoes. And, uh, mm-hmm. it was, uh, it had a, uh, Oak wood, wood fired jacuzzi. So it was just fresh water, no chlorine, no salt, no nothing. Mm-hmm. And you fire up, a, a little, uh, furnace that's next to it with a flu and, you know, air adjustment and all that. And you throw all your wood in there and you bring it up to an optimal temperature and you just constantly, feed wood in there and it gets a bunch of coals burning and all this stuff. Nice. And you come back about four or five hours later and you've got a very, very, very hot, uh, hot tub. <laughs> I actually, uh, messed up and kind of stoked the fire for too long. And then when we went to get into the hot tub, it was like scolding hot. Like you could cook a, a lobster in it. I was like, <laughs> Oh no, this is not good. 
Um, so I had to like, I had to like get rid of like probably like 50 gallons worth of water and then fill it up with more water. And even then it was still hot. So I had to sit there and continually like drain water out of it and top it off, drain water out of it, top it off until I got to the right temperature. Um, yeah. And then by the time we got out of it, it was already like heated up again because of the fire. It was just so beautiful. It was nice. so great. Um, I'll probably upload some photos onto Twitter just to, to you know, brag about vacation. Vacation bragging is always is always good for the ego. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that was that was a fun fact. It was it was definitely a good a good way to to kind of separate my summer out and then. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so if anybody ever wants, if everybody, if anybody's ever thinking like, Oh, where's a great niche state to go to that is, you know, very low population, very beautiful views and, uh, everything is relatively speaking less expensive. Um, to Maine, go to Maine. It's great. It's yep. great. Um, but yeah, that's, that's really, uh, it's really it. It's really fun. Highly recommend. I've been up in that area of the country a few times. I've been through all those states and, uh, you know, getting up there in like October, late October to early November is optimal because the colors and the leaves are uh, unlike anything you've ever seen. They're just unbelievable. It's like somebody took a box of crayons and just colored all the trees. It's pretty amazing. Um, for me, I decided to this summer work on my golf game and no, this isn't a stick that a golf coach beats me with when I don't hit anything right. This is a swing trainer that also has a little sensor built to that you stuff in the end of it that actually has some software come with it. I can play golf on my TV here at the house and it is quite accurate. When I first started messing with this thing, I can't hit a driver further than 200 yards. I general, I just can't. And the way my swing was with this, it was exactly the same. Couldn't hit a driver more than 200 yards. I even popped this into the end of my driver and hit a couple of balls into a driving net that I recently bought. And it was the same thing. The reading came back. Yeah, you hit that about 200 yards. So I scheduled some golf lessons and I went and I had a swing coach or a, a PGA pro at a local country club here in uh, Lincoln uh, give me an hour of his time. It was absolutely worth every penny of the 65 bucks I paid for the lesson. He completely started me from scratch, taught me how to grip club, taught me how to swing, taught me how to turn the shoulders and, and release the club in such a way that you're hitting with your hands ahead of the ball instead of behind the ball. So instead of hitting six inches behind the ball, like I do regularly with my irons, I was suddenly hitting them up in the air. And then I came home and I started playing with that swing stick again and 25, 30 yards further on every single club that you can play around with in there. So pretty dang accurate. And for 250 bucks, it was absolutely worth every penny. So I'm looking forward to getting out and playing more. I've got another lesson on Tuesday when I'm hopefully going to actually get some, uh, get some instruction on swinging a driver differently than I do now. So kind of looking forward to that. Uh, though I did try the techniques that he was showing me with the driver, with this swing stick today, and I actually hit one 279 yards. I have no idea how I did it because I could never do it again. 
maybe it just wasn't accurate that one time <laughs> and it was actually really 240 or whatever I was getting. So, uh, but yeah, that's a lot of fun. I love golf. Absolutely love golf. Obviously Moonbot does too. If you're ever in the Lincoln area Moonbot, I have no idea where you're at, but if you're ever in our neck of the woods, we'd love to go play nine with you at a local three par three course that we play every Thursday, Scott and I do. So, um, with that, I think we're pretty much wrapped this sucker up. Um, where well, you find I must say we are wearing some very, very delicious swag right now. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, I found uh, when we got for the podcast awards show, rather than just wearing our T-shirts that have been washed so many times they don't fit right anymore, uh, we felt we needed something that class up the joint a little bit. And so we ordered two different styles, went with a website that did custom embroidering instead of screen printing. So these are just, you can't ask for better quality. They weren't cheap but you can't ask for better quality. So yeah, new golf shirts, new shirts to do the, do the show in. Um, so yeah, corporatecasuals.com if you're looking for, and that's a completely free plug. Uh, corporatecasuals.com is where I got these. So uh, can't go wrong. Love them. Yeah, we might, we might try and work out something to where we have a merchandise plug for yep. the podcast. We just have to work with the, the, the outlets and the communications between them and, and uh, an actual quality of product that we're happy with. So it'll take <laughs> yeah. a while. It'll take yeah. a while. Um, and to be affordable because yep. yeah, these, these are not cheap. So these were not cheap. Hard to so, get out um, to you guys for much less than you'd pay for a really expensive golf shirt and like a golf shop. So, um, yeah. and we'd, so, but we'll work on it, but we're working we'll work on, on it. it. Yep. We're, considering so uh where can folks find you out there on the uh, interwebs my son yes you can follow me at scott Genredpod on twitter that is scott with two t's the second t is and will always remain silent um yeah you can follow me there still not very active on it as of lately i'm just a lurker i just lurk around i don't know i just don't feel like uh voicing my opinion about things at the moment. I think I just want to keep quiet, but carry a big stick. Um, so once, once the season gets closer, I'll, I'll definitely get a little bit more active uh, on there, but yeah, just preemptively follow me there and engage. And, or if you just want to follow me now and then tweet at me every single day, reminding me to make tweets, uh, I'd greatly appreciate it. Um, but yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Scott Genred pod. That's right. You can follow the show and me at GenRedPod on Facebook, Twitter, and uh, YouTube, of course. And um, Generation Red on your favorite podcast app. Just do a search for that term and you'll find us there. GenRedPod.com is the website. If you need to send us any emails, questions, or comments about the show, uh, GenRedPod at gmail.com is our email address. So with all that said... He's Scott, I'm Ken, together we're Generation Red, and we're here to remind you as often as we possibly can that it's time to take back our respect. Ooh, I like that. And Iowa's corn sucks the respect out of their own program and their <laughs> offense specifically. Like Iowa's corn. One. Did I say Iowa's corn? Yeah. I like that I one. think I did. 
I think, I you think did. I did. Yeah, you did. You said Iowa's corn. You're good. It's just so automatic now. I just go into autopilot of just dogging on <laughs> Iowa's corn, even though I'm pretty sure that's all the corn I buy at the grocery store for the most part. But <laughs> I, I do oh. subconsciously eat it resentfully. So I at least know that. <laughs> um, so, yep, Iowa's corn sucks. Absolutely. Well, thanks for watching, folks. Thanks for listening. Those of you who are listening to the podcast, remember down in the links, you will find uh, the link to the Hale Varsity coupon code so that you can get 10 bucks off a year's subscription. We really appreciate it. Go Big Red. Hashtag take back respect. We will see you next time. Go Big Red. Hey, this is Matt Rule here for uh, All the Frustration Nation with a pivotal question for Ethan Piper. Ethan, you're standing over a cliff. Okay. You've got me in one hand, holding me trying to save my life. You've got Donnie Raiola on the other you hand. You already know me. You have to let one go. Who are you letting go? You know who I'm letting go. You're letting me go? Oh, yeah. Okay. This will be one heck of a camp, guys. <laughs>